Welcome to Bringing Forth, a podcast on spirituality and parenting, where we share stories, insights, and advice at the intersection of parenting, spirituality, and real life. This is your host, Rachel Dahl O'Mahony. One of the things I really appreciate about this interview was the opportunity to think about connection and disconnection as a normal part of parenting. In the time since we first recorded, there have been numerous incidents with one or the other of my three kids where we've had a fight or a disagreement or a meltdown or a blow up and we've disconnected. And I've been much more intentional about taking a moment and taking the time and the space to reconnect with them after our disconnection and make space in me to reconnect. Last night, my daughter made a salad for dinner and she put a dressing on the salad I don't like, so I didn't eat any of it. It wasn't really a big deal. But hours later, we were getting ready for bed and she came up to me and said, I need to talk to you. So we went into my room and sat down and she said, I was hurt that you didn't eat my salad and I wanted to know why. And we talked about it and I explained my perspective and it wasn't a magical parenting moment particularly, but the opportunity to reconnect with her was great. She made herself a little bit vulnerable to admit that she was a hurt. Because she did that, we could reconnect and she could go to bed with a little bit of peace. It was a small thing, but it's an example of how reconnection really fosters intimacy. Our guest today was born in Oxford, Ohio, and grew up in Illinois, Ohio, New York, and Pennsylvania. He spent his childhood tracking baseball stats His faith was inspired by involvement in Pax Christi, a Catholic peace and justice organization. Following college, he moved west and became a Jesuit volunteer in Seattle and served at Providence Hospice. This curiosity led him to seminary. During that time, he met me, Rachel. After seminary, he returned to Seattle and Harborview Medical Center and pursued training in clinical pastoral education supervision. In 2008, he became a parent where first daughter Junia was born and two other children soon followed, Miriam in 2012 and Thomas in 2015. Our guest is Sean Dahl O'Mahony. He's my spouse and partner and one of my top five favorite people. Maybe it seems a bit insider to have your first guest be a spouse, but it seemed a safe start for me with the tech and editing. So be gracious. Just as a fun aside, Sean's key hobby and passion in life involves dough, making bread, and especially pizza. So let's start with a very Krista Tippett question. And why don't you tell me about the spiritual or religious background of your life? Well, my parents are Catholic, and three out of the four families of my ancestors are Irish and Irish Catholics, and my parents are the only ones of their siblings who continue to practice that faith in adulthood. And that was the key theme. We did practice our Catholic faith regularly. My parents were smart to help take myself and my sister to faith communities that had some vibrancy to them in terms of the liturgy uh, or more relevant preaching or spaces that were beautiful. And I appreciated that engagement with beauty and um, meaning in music as a child. 
my parents practiced their faith, but they didn't really talk about it very often. I didn't hear much conversation about what spirituality or religion meant to them. And I don't really know how parenting impacted their faith journey, but that's something we talk more about in our family. And um, I think my kids have had more spiritual or religious conversations than I did as a child. My Irish ancestors experienced loss, and so one of the things I have been doing as an adult is trying to figure out how to recover some stories about loss and change that were not told to me so that I could look for meaning and maybe connect with my family roots in a way that was not present to me initially. I'm not sure, actually, it was clear to me that we were Irish, but I think in a lot of ways we were also just suburban Americans. And so um, trying to own the Irish Catholic experience of immigration seems very important to me these days. Growing up, I went to public school. I did not attend Catholic school until I went to college. And so that did give me some engagement with religious diversity. And although I didn't really have a lot of Catholic friends, um, I always found some safe space in uh, getting to go to the liturgy. I wasn't somebody who experienced much of the overt negative side of Catholicism until I was a young adult. So you touched on it a little bit as you talked just a snippet there about parenthood. So why don't you share with us about your journey into parenthood? Well, I would call myself as a young adult an agnostic about becoming a parent. I was potentially open to it, but didn't really think it would happen. And um, partially based on some medical news I'd received and partially based on my vocational discernment, where when I started to think about being a minister, I didn't know whether marriage would be part of that. Um, so initially, parenthood came as a surprise in a variety of ways. And I think the disorientation from a life that may have been more self-focused or focused on achievement, the vulnerability of our uh, new little person when they arrived, and the trust that I felt from God ultimately, but also from my spouse uh, to be with this little baby and figure out how to take care of them was very meaningful, albeit disorienting. How did you become a parent? Uh, well, I do have biological children. I have three biological children, and uh, the first one arrived as a surprise or a guest to us soon after um, Rachel and I were married. And then we kind of made a lot of changes in our life to welcome and accommodate her and decided we wanted to welcome another into the family. And then um, I am from a uh, family with just two children, and um, Rachel is from a family of five, and we talked about this and decided we wanted to welcome another. So these are biological children that have um, arrived to bless and challenge us. Along with that, what ways do you see yourself being molded and shaped by this experience of parenthood? Well, I think life is n not in my control in many ways and is unpredictable in a way that is scary and exciting. It also can be ordinary 
There's a lot of activities needed to just keep on going, whether it's food or clothes or just taking care of logistics. And all those things would have been true without me being a parent, but I think are much clearer to me in the experience of accompanying Rachel in pregnancy and the birth of our children. There's a lot that's not in my control, and there's a lot of logistics to take care of. So I think parenting has been revealing to me of themes that are true in everyday regular life, but maybe could be avoided more easily. So if it's just me living my life, maybe I start to think I can control more things or make order out of my life. But we're all still vulnerable human beings who rely on each other. And I think kids have revealed that they clearly are vulnerable and have relied on me. And so in some ways, it's made me accept my own vulnerability and reliance on others in a way that I, I may not have without being a parent. What are parenthood's most interesting challenges for you? Well, every time you think you have it figured out at a certain stage, it changes. I remember figuring out how to play with a toddler who would just walk around in the house and then the experience of our oldest child being able to start opening the door. Um, that's one small step, but figuring out how to adapt and, and shift to the personality of my kids is another challenge. Each of our kids has a distinct personality that I think may be related to birth order, maybe related to um, something about how we are with them, but I think a lot of it is just related to their personality that they had when they were born. So um, one of our children really needs space to be upset and angry and struggle before they can accept connection and another one of our children really needs you quickly to go be with them um, so just having to change the way you parent based on the kid and the situation it's not something you can do the same way every time and i think that is healthy for me there's some part of it that's like getting to be okay and to even find some adventure in the vulnerability. Like I love these kids and I can see how if something negative were to happen to them, how painful that would be for me, but I can't control that or avoid it. And especially now with kids in school, they have their own experiences and aren't mine. Um, it's not to abdicate some responsibility to help try to create a safe environment for them or give them resilience, but ultimately there's a lot that they experience that I can't control or now even be with them in. And so the process of letting go, I think loving children and letting go of them in that process is also an interesting challenge. I hear you talking about the theme of letting go of control is one of the ways you've been molded by parenthood. And also one of the challenges is an interesting challenge to Move into that with your children, letting them go and not being able to control everything. How is that part of your spiritual practice or your concept of who God is? How are those two ideas connected to your spirituality? Well, the first thing I think about is I believe in the Jewish tradition, they have a concept of simsum, which is God withdrawing in order to create so that in the beginning, God's presence, the divine presence filled everything. And in order for God to create the world, God had to step back and withdraw in order to make space for something to be created. So I consider the amount of trust and even the sense of loss and withdrawal as part of creation that um, 
may reveal to me something about who God is. I felt deeply trusted by God in the first time I held my kids and even in just continuing to parent them, um, how much trust God has in humanity and placed in me personally. And not like that I'm alone. I think God is invested and present with me and there's community and support and a lot of mystery and all of that. But my kids are vulnerable and I don't believe in a God who is like magically making things happen necessarily. I think God is present and offering care and sometimes supports them in ways that I really don't know, but I can just kind of be grateful for. Can you share a profound or particularly spiritual or religious moment you've had as a parent? Anytime my kids are kind to each other in a surprising way, it's like the, you know, the beauty of a sunrise or like the, the sacredness of seeing, uh, you know, blooming, uh, cherry blossoms or like a, a, a flower that is here just for a moment. Um, it's a really wonderful, joyous, sacred experience. So, um, I remember both of my daughters have had experiences being in the hospital, not with, well, one of them was something that could have been serious. The other wasn't real serious, but just even in that experience, which was scary and vulnerable for all of us, but seeing the, their siblings be concerned about them and, and send cards and, um, just be really loving towards them, I think is, um, just reveals, um, something beautiful, the, the kindness and love between the siblings and they fight and they are not always kind to each other. So when I get to capture that, it's a wonderful moment. I think the experience of Junia, our oldest daughter, uh, becoming an altar server and both Junia and Miriam receiving communion was moved me more than I expected it to. I think because uh, the way we have um, supported them in church has been like kind of here's an experience for you and um, to a certain extent asking them to come into the experience of church but then not requiring them to do anything in terms of receiving sacraments or um, being involved in any particular way and so when Junia decided yeah I'm ready I'd like to receive communion and Miriam did too and then when Junia said she wanted to be an altar server I think um just the gratitude of um, them feeling drawn to somehow be more part of this liturgy was meaningful. Because I know you and I know your work and I know that your work as a CPE supervisor, one of the things you had to do was write a bunch of papers before you became certified. And one of them was about your theory of intimacy and disconnection and connection. And I was wondering if you could speak to that about, share about that and about how that is connected to parenthood for you. Yeah, so uh, my uh, education as a chaplain, the one of the theories that supports that is called relational cultural theory, which is Gene Baker Miller and um, other colleagues at the Stone Center, uh, Wellesley College in Massachusetts. So this was theory that came out of the experience of counseling, predominantly with women, although not exclusively, of hearing their stories and then starting to notice common themes. 
And so one of the themes that came out of the Stone Center's work was this sense that all people want connection. So they want to feel um, a sense of closeness, of being heard, of being valued, of um, that their presence is meaningful, that they get a sense of worth um, in relationship, and that people are made for relationship, but also that all people and all relationships also experience disconnection. So it's not possible to be connected all the time. Um, and that disconnection actually can be normal and even healthy and can lead to growth. But a lot of us have experienced painful disconnections when we felt, and I know it's true of me, where we felt isolated or ashamed or alone. And so we have ways to try to protect ourselves, to care for ourselves that can actually kind of sabotage what we want. So while all people want connection, we also want to try to stay safe and you know, guard against disconnections happening again. And so that sense of guarding or trying to cope by avoiding the pain that we fear actually can keep us out of the connection that we look for. So as a person or as a parent, I think about that with my kids and that like we have these moments of connection and the signs of that are like that both parties feel more energized, feel more valuable, feel more um, alive, uh, like they have more self-worth. But we also naturally have times where we're disconnected, so we didn't hear each other. We're not feeling we're feeling low energy. We're feeling more isolated. It's helped me in this theory to know like that's normal and part of every relationship. So there's no way to avoid having disconnection. It's something that just happens. The key is how do you work with that and try to seek some reconnection in the future, some learning from that experience. And I think a lot of places in society to some extent in my life and parenting would say like disconnection is bad or anytime you're disconnected from your kids you're doing something wrong and this theory would say no that's just a natural part of life and how do you be patient and curious and kind of adjust and learn even from your kids I think one of the biggest things we've been trying to practice as parents is like how can we learn from our children how can we be curious about their experience and learn from them to try to find a way to reconnect so at my best, I think it kind of humanizes the reality of the disconnection and gives some tools to figure out, okay, like be curious about what's going on here and trust that we'll be able to reconnect. Um, and we'll see how that all goes as our kids get bigger. But it has been helpful to me to kind of take off some pressure about having to be perfect as a parent and notice how my kids cope differently. Could you also maybe connect that to God and the connection or disconnection one has in their spiritual life? Yeah, so the um, the Stone Center writers don't talk about spirituality or theology very much, but to me it's very applicable to one's spiritual life. I don't think it's possible, for instance, to stay in connection with God all the time. Nobody is in mountaintop, beautiful, connected experiences all the time. What you can do, though, is kind of get into a rhythm of reconnecting consistently and even being more aware and probably having those times of connection grow longer um, with God. But nobody's going to be in that space all the time. Um, we're not God. We're God's creation. Um, so um, that's helpful for me. I also think this sense of like almost wanting to protect yourself or the paradox of so they call it the central relational paradox. All people want connection, but we also all try to protect ourselves from the kind of the vulnerability or being harmed. 
um, that we may have had. So this kind of like wanting to almost protect yourself from God's presence, I think, is commented on in a lot of the stories in the Bible. People who are like, get away from me, Jesus. You know, Peter is like, I'm not worthy for you to be with me. Or Paul's sense of like, you know, why do I do things that um, I know what I want to do, but I don't act in a way that's consistent with that. And some of this, you know, there may be theological meaning behind, but I think it's just kind of helped me to recognize, okay, God, this is a relationship I want to work on. I want to find new ways to connect with you. I want to learn from you, notice what's possible in relating with you, and kind of be open to change because the ways I used to connect with God when I was a single person or a young adult in terms of retreat or times of silence or a lot of time in nature you know some of that's possible but a lot of it isn't as a parent and having to change that to like what can I do in these two minutes to connect with God or to be present in this moment rather than thinking I have to go somewhere else or do something else to find God with me so what do you do in those two minutes well yeah I guess I mean that's a good question so being present where I am at any time and experiencing what I'm feeling, it's an opportunity always available to me. I don't always take advantage of. So some of it is about like my breathing and just presence in the moment rather than getting caught up into the past of, you know, regrets or concerns about the past or worries about the future, getting caught up in the future, trying to just be kind of present in what is. I do listen to music. I've been taking guitar lessons as a way to kind of be humble, I think, as a learner, as somebody who is an educator at work and also a parent, it's like it's important to just kind of keep practicing this vulnerability of trying to learn a skill that I'm not really that good at. Um, It sometimes frustrates me, but I can continue to learn from. It reminds me to learn, keep learning from my experience. And little short moments of prayer around the seasons or the I pray parts of often some kind of a psalm each day, like in the morning when I get to work for a few minutes, we'll connect with a psalm, which I like because they express such honesty about where human beings are emotionally. Um, and I also value because I know there are uh, a lot of people throughout the world who are Catholic, but also other Christian traditions and even uh, in the Jewish tradition, they pray psalms in the morning. So who are using psalms to connect with God at that same time? So it helps me to feel a sense of community. What resources do you use in your spiritual life and would like or be willing to share? I've used an app called Pray As You Go, which has like a, a segment of a reading for the day and um, some music that goes along to it that I found helpful like on my drive home. I've listened to classical music or jazz. That often is a way to just give me a chance to reflect rather than filling my head with more words. Do you have a piece of advice for exploring the intersection of the spiritual life and parenting? Perceiving being judged by other people for parenting or even being judged by God when I don't do something as well as I could, those are all experiences of disconnection. So when I feel afraid or fear judgment to kind of stop and ask for help um, to have some kind of short practice to just be in the moment whether it's breathing um, to talk to my spouse to talk to God to talk to 
somebody to counter that sense of that I have to somehow have it perfect or that I'm not valuable if I can't always figure this out because it's not humanly possible. But I think so many people are not really candid about the struggles of parenting. and I think the struggles of faithful parenting that it can be easy to get confused. So I would say God can handle it. Kids are resilient. And there's a lot of mistakes that I think we have a chance to reconnect around. Especially, there's just been meaningful moments of forgiveness of being like, I'm sorry I was distracted by my phone. I want to be with you. Like, help me figure out how to be with you. And can actually make us deeper in relationship than we were. Is there anything else you wanted to share that you've been thinking of during this conversation? Haven't had a chance to share anything else you just want to add about this intersection of parenting and spirituality? Well, it's been kind of surprising today how challenging it is to put words to this topic. I'm somebody who definitely has a spiritual practice, and we talk about spirituality and parenting kind of informally quite a bit, but putting words to the more formalized reflection in these questions, I like the challenge, but it has been challenging. So that caused me to pause and think, you know, what's what do I need in terms of some more time to reflect? What's happening in our culture that makes it hard to talk in these ways. And I think the the church, you know, they theoretically say they support they support parents, um, the Catholic Church especially, but I think other churches they they theoretically support parents, but like are I'm not sure they're actually willing to like get into the mess of it. In my experience, it's not easy to find places in the Catholic community where we can honestly talk about the struggles or really claim the beauty of parenting, because I think both of those are a little bit threatening or unsettling to the institution, because it's raw. So anyway, I've been thinking about that. But thanks for the opportunity to talk. Thank you, Sean, for doing this and for joining me today.